0: This is the Hoosier Outdoorsman Podcast, Episode Five. Oh my gosh, we made it to fifty with guests Greg Galloway, Chad Woods, and Logan Revolt talking about hunting in the Indiana. Here we go. Welcome to the Hoosier Outdoorsman Podcast, Episode Fifty Five. oh, oh my gosh, that was fast. So, yeah, so I started doing this, uh, I think, last June. So it's been a lot of fun. So, yeah, so last night I got the map out and started looking at all the places people have listened to the podcast. This is going to be a fun podcast. I'm going to talk about just different places people have listened to it. Uh, I'm going to have some old... um, Oh, guests come on, and then I'm going to have some listeners come on and talk about the podcast, if they like the podcast, some things they're doing, and all that good stuff. So this is going to be different. We're going to have a menagerie of people. And here in a little bit, I will break down the like two-minute first episode I ever did and make fun of it. So real quick, I went through the map and looked up all the places that the podcast has been listened to and i've found out um the only places that have not the states the fifty eight or 58 i'm thinking lower 48 but the only states that haven't been listened to are at are new hampshire maine wyoming and hawaii so in less than a year Um, yeah, just those states have not listened to it yet. Um, and we have, I have had, let's see, some of the top 10 countries. I think there's a couple more than this, but let's see. United States, of course, Indonesia, Spain, United Kingdom, Australia, Canada, Philippines, Romania, Sweden, Israel, Iceland, France, Italy, and Ireland. And actually, yeah, there's been a lot of listens to on in in Indonesia. Um, yeah, but it's just so crazy that, uh, you know, I, I started a podcast about hunting and fishing in the outdoors in Indiana. And
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> people just for it just blew my mind. It was like I was just expecting people in Indiana. Granted a lot of people listen to it in Indiana but there are there's a big listener base in St. Matthew's Kentucky, California, Chicago is one of the big ones um and of course Indianapolis takes the uh takes the first spot there um but yeah I mean it's been fun I've you know I was going through some of the guests like with Colin Mann he was the first one that was so much fun um had him in the studio and it was it was kind of awkward because it was the first one but then uh Jacob tackett, my coworker he came in that was fun he was in the studio then my old supervisor glenn eisen he came in talked about texas and alaska then my neighbor michael Garski, he came in here and then i actually did on location recording with steve chafin around bloomington area uh that was crazy um and then i i eventually did another one with him then uh, talked to my father-in-law about the old coon hunting days uh then episode eight one of my favorites um All of these were my favorites, but there were some that were different and fun. But episode eight, talk to Mitch and Mitch Moy, Max Hudson. That was, man, it was hilarious. A lot of fun. I actually have a clip from that. Uh, Some fun stuff we talked about. Then episode nine, John Legue uh, talking about off-field creek outfitting. Uh, Episode 10, talking to Justin Reed and Chris Gruner, 11. Max Hudson came back again. Twelve, uh I talked to Neil Mastin of the uh Trophy Club Outfitters. Oh man, if you get a chance, uh look them up. They're they are so cool. Especially if you're out of state um and you are wanting the Indiana hunting white tail whitetail experience. Look up Trophy Club Outfitters and give uh, Neil Mastin a call. Um let's see here. I'm trying to think of this. Oh, and then um I think I got him out of the mix. But anyway, uh then I talked to um let's see I talked to that was Neil Mastin. Um and then I talked to James Blankenbeckler of Open Season TV. That was such a cool experience. Um you know he is such a big name with Open Season TV and he gave me the opportunity to talk to him um, about open, open season TV. And he gave me his time. And, you know, that was only episode 14 and anyone, some people, um, they ask me, they're like, how much time do I get? You know, um, they are kind of the semi pros. They'll ask me like, how much time do I get? And then, um, you know, the Next level of pros, they sometimes don't even give me their time. And he was like, yeah, what time? What time do you want to call me? And uh, I had him on the podcast, and it was so cool. And he gave me extra time to explain how I could be better, what I should do better. Um, And he, man, after that episode, it just propelled the podcast to the next level. Um, It was awesome. I, I just really... Can't explain how thankful I was to that guy and how inspired. I mean, he is cool and down to earth and really cool guy. Uh, and then after that, I'm skipping some people. I think I talked to uh, Brandon Finger of uh, Discipleship Decoy, talked to him. Actually, that was right before James Blankenbeckler. Um, and then after that, I talked to like Greg Robinson, Um I talked to Matthew Badger about the Trapping Association. Um, I talked to Leroy Leroy Nail about Bigfoot uh, research organization. I talked to – let's see. I'm getting everything mixed up here. Um, But I'll just go through a couple of these, a couple more. But, you know, I talked to uh, Cindy Stite. She was the first woman to come on the podcast, and it was so cool. I think I've had three women on the podcast so far and then i had i had Cindy Stites then later i had lakin Reynolds and uh Coon Hunter and so cool to talk to so, um i mean she, just so cool i mean the the accomplishment she has made in coon hunting and then on top of that she so right now i think she's 8 months pregnant and she just shot a Tom Turkey like ridiculous <laughs> I mean she is an excellent hunter um and man an inspiration to a lot of people I've, she held the number one slot for the most listened to episode there for a long time um it's just because she's an inspiration especially at her age And the attitude she has. It's just awesome. Then after her, uh, Keith Couch came on the podcast and talked about Team Zombie Predator Reapers. Uh, Keith, he is such a cool guy. I talked to him um, and had him on the podcast. It was like talking to a buddy. I mean, a lot of these people, when you talk to them, it's like talking to an old buddy. Uh, Some of them... um, some of them are a little bit harder to talk to, but man, Keith Couch, he was like that redneck cousin you're just talking to around a fire, and man, it it was so cool. And afterward, I was talking to him, I said, hey, I'm a musician, I've done some albums, I have a song called The Zombie Song, can I send that to you? And he was like, okay, so I sent that to him, and... He uh, wrote me back, and he said, hey, do you have any more? And so I started sending him more music, and uh, he was like, hey, tune in this uh, coming week. And one of my songs, Humble Cobbler, was on one of uh, Team Zombie Predator Reaper's uh, hunting videos. And then after that, just episode, episode, episode more... Of his, he would be like, Hey, this song's in here. And he was just using the music. And it was so cool to see music that I had worked so hard on that no one would give me the time of day really with the music. And he was able to take that and use it in his hunting videos. And it was so cool. It is still cool when uh, he does that. Um, then. After that, I had David Ray on to talk about Wild Boar in Indiana, and that episode is still the reigning champ. People still listen to that episode every week. It is the one episode that stands out the most, and um, yeah, yeah. I mean, people really are interested in boar hunting and really interested about the situation with boar in Indiana. Um and the yeah, and people still listen to that episode. Then after that, I talked to Tim Escott about the Hoosier Bowfishing Fishing Association, absolutely cool guy, uh a inventor of a shoot shoot through rod, down to earth guy, really cool, um and uh, a very good voice um in the bow fishing uh sport of bow fishing. And then after that, one, all of these guys were my favorites. But, you know, uh, Adam Gibson, unbelievably cool guy. Very cool. Um, he, um, yeah, tournament archer. I just talked to him on Facebook, and he, he said, yeah, I've done some tournaments. I was like, okay. Well, I didn't know that he had, I think he had won, like, a big competition at some point in time I think it was the world I may I may be wrong I'll be talking to him here in a little bit but yeah I didn't know he was who he was <laughs> and so humble you know when you talk to these guys all that all that just falls away and you're talking to a to another hunter and it's just cool and what I don't know his his views on hunting and um preserving the what hunting is and what hunting was and what it used to be in the stories of the older hunters it's just so cool so cool and then right after that I talked to um oh their name was chopped off <laughs> but anyway um I'm trying to remember who that was. But then, I think that may have been Steve. I had Steve Chafin on again. Um, Yeah, Steve's cool. Absolutely cool guy. I'm going to be duck and goose or goose hunting with him at some point in time this year. Uh, Then, I talked to John Leguio and Greg Robinson again. Then, uh, Rob Lund of Lund Custom Calls. He came on. Awesome guy. He... um, Uh, yeah, we keep in contact and it is so cool to talk to him. He kind of, um, pushes me as far as a call maker. Like I'll send him a picture of a call. I'll be, I'll say, what do you think of this? And he'll send me one right back and it is so awesome. (laughs) And then I'll be like, okay, I can top that. Then I'll send one that's, I think is really nice. And then he'll send one back and it's like, try again. But, you know, that's the thing, especially in like calls, hunting, don't take things too seriously. Um, If there is someone that is doing something like call making that you are getting into, do not be an enemy. Do not start on the wrong foot and say, I'm going to make something better than you or I'm going to outdo you. Do not do that. Because then it's a competition at that point against that person. And then you have a third party come in and just blow you two away. Uh, The best thing you can do, and this is why I like Rob. um, Rob is such a cool guy. Such a humble guy. uh, An amazing duck call and goose call maker. Um, I mean, he just makes artwork. And it's, man, I just... Anytime I get a chance, I just let them know, man, you make some awesome stuff. Because, I mean, what, what you don't have to be a jerk. <laughs> I mean, you know, you don't have to be jealous. You don't have to be a jerk. And just, if there is someone doing something that you are, try to befriend them. Because, I mean, I was like, Rob Lund is so awesome. I'm going to try to... Uh, befriend him and man he's really helped me out he's given me some tips and such a good guy Um, and if you get a chance check out Lund Custom Calls Uh, buy a call from him Um, and uh, he's I mean the thing is is you aren't just buying a call or you're not just buying a product just to buy the product but you're buying the customer service you're buying the history of that product who made that product and when you buy a call especially from like rob uh lung custom calls you are buying quality and you're buying excellent customer service he will do right um and he's just a really cool guy you want to support someone like that um And I am excited because very soon I will be hopefully officially launching RILO Game Calls. Um, And uh, yeah, yeah. So I'm excited about that. But if you get a chance, especially right now, Rob has a Father's Day uh, special going on. Um, I don't remember the dates, but I I don't even want to throw numbers around. But look up Lung Custom Calls. Check out the Father's Day... Special and yeah, get a uh, call, a a goose or duck call or something for your uh, father or uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, let's move along. But anyway, um, I'm I'm, uh, talking about something cool. I actually talked about, gave my testimony and talked about God. Um, And yes, that was very, very awesome. And a lot of people have listened to that episode, and I've always wondered, like, did anyone get closer to God, or did something happen? Did something come out of that episode? And I may not know on this side of eternity if something did, but I I, I hope, hope it did. So episode 40, The Call Cast, talking to Ra- Ralphie Robinson of Rub- Robinson Custom Calls. Cool guy, super cool turkey hunter, um, and he just, yeah, unbelievably cool guy. He um, uh, is such an awesome turkey hunter, and his calls are beautiful. His turkey calls are awesome. If you get a chance, check out uh, Robinson Custom Calls, Uh, another... Homeboy, another just redneck guy, down-to-earth, humble guy, in his call shop, making calls, doing what he loves. And you just have to respect him. You have to respect these guys, you know. They're doing it by hand. Um, And then, oh, who I skipped was uh, one of my heroes, Jordan Fromer from the Duck Gun Chronicles. He was awesome, great guest, and fun to have on the podcast. Uh, Yeah, I did the super secret guest... Uh, episode and all I did through it, it was April Fools. So all I did was blah, blah, blah. And then I called someone and had them go blah, 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 and did like a five minute episode of just blah, blah, blahs. And I thought it was fine. No one thought it was fine. So talking to survivalist and outdoorsman John Goddard, John Goddard is so cool. Him and his friend, I think it's Brad, Brad Titus, have a um, podcast called Sawdust and Coffee. If you get a chance Check it out. I did a video uh, episode with them. There, I, I haven't released it yet. I will very soon. Uh, if you get a chance, listen to that episode. And then hopefully keep your eyes on the group. And that will be coming out soon. Uh, talk to Rob Miles about duck and goose calling competitions. So cool. So knowledgeable. Um, and then I talked to Daniel Miller... It, back on um, rob miles um he yeah, I got to watch a goose calling competition online, and he was on there, and man, he's got some good chops on that goose call. I was like, oh man i i when I grow up w- w- one day when I grow up up, I hope I am the goose caller Rob miles is <laughs> he's pretty good for some reason, I don't know how to talk today, but and then forty seven I talked to Daniel Miller about superior decoys. Super cool guy. Check out Superior Decoys. Then I talked to Pastor John Wisely about long distance shooting competitions. Unbelievably knowledgeable about long distance shooting. And then I talked to Kirkwall last week about wild edibles. And it was awesome because we just talked about wild edibles and everything. That we don't take advantage of out in the woods of um, Indiana. And he's in Michigan. Um, But yeah, and then last night I found out that um, we passed the 1,000-member mark on the group on Facebook. So, man, I'm so stoked about that. Um, Yeah, every—and you know, this is all possible with— the help of the listeners. If you're listening to this right now, if you're in St. Matthews, Kentucky, Indianapolis, um, California—I mean, the list goes on and on. But um, yeah, you know, there there were times I was like, "Oh, why am I doing this? It's so much work." I mean, I have to do promo pictures. I've I have to edit. I have to interview the people. I have to—I mean, there's so much work to it. But it is so satisfying, Um, I mean, getting to talk with all these people. um, But if so, here in a second, I'm going to have more people come on, old guests, new guests, and just talk for a little bit, talk about the podcast, talk about what they are going, uh, what's going on with them. Um, And yeah, yeah, so it should be fun. And then um, if you're a listener, this is what I'm going to ask you. So I'm not going to ask for money i'm I'm talking to sponsors right now um hopefully, I can get some sponsor sponsorships um if, you know there's so much work going into this and editing and you know the promotion and all that stuff so um, I'm looking at some sponsors right now i have I have had some sponsorship offers. So I may go that route, but if you are wanting to support and help this podcast and you've been listening for a while, if if you do want to help monetarily, if you want to help with money, um, it doesn't take a lot to pay for this podcast. I mean, two—I I would say $200 would pay for a year. That, that's nothing. Like, with the listener group we have, that's like nothing. So if you... Want to help Uh, pay for the podcast. And I mean, if if we can do that, then I can... I hate asking for money. I'm not really asking. I'm just suggesting. If you want to. If you want to support the podcast and you're like, Hey, I love what you're doing. This is great. And I mean, if you think it's worth... You know, if, if you think the podcast is worth $5, then get a hold of me and send $5. That's almost a third of the month, you know, that pays for like almost two episodes. So, yeah, but I was just going to throw that out there. Don't feel pressured. Don't tune out just because I brought up money. But, um, yeah, and if you really want to help, if you don't want to help monetarily or anything like that, please just put a rating on iTunes. iTunes. Uh, And that helps out a lot. That helps people find the podcast. Um, People like you that are just wanting to listen about hunting and fishing and all that good stuff, um, especially if you're in Indiana, it helps people find this podcast that wouldn't be able to. So just put a good rating. If you want to put something cool on the rating, put like... Happy 50th episode, keep going, blah, 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 I'd really appreciate it. All right, I am going to get some, I'm going to shut up, I've been talking too much, get some guests on and do what you enjoy the podcast to do. (laughs) So here we go, Um, yeah, I'll intro them when I do. All right, so... Here I am with uh, my first guest of this episode, uh, Mr. Greg Galloway. Greg, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing very well. How are you?
0: I am doing great. So, Greg, you started the uh, Facebook group Porter County Predators. When did you do that, and what was kind of the
2: goal? Uh, Well, it's been about, I would say, about a year and a half Mm -hmm. uh, that I started the page, uh, the, the goal was kind of just to meet people in my area who enjoy similar things that I enjoy. Yeah. I know it's called Porter County predators, um, but it's not just a predator page. It's for anything outdoors, fishing, mm-hmm. hunting, hiking, any story anybody wants to share. And it yeah. was just really to connect with kind of people in my area. Um, um. Mm-hmm. You know, try and, try and meet some new people that enjoy doing the things I enjoy and make some new friendships. Yeah.
0: Have you made, uh, some good contacts and some friendships off of that?
2: I've, I've met, I'll tell you what, in the last year I have met more people that I really enjoy than I have probably in my entire previous life. Really? Um, I've, I've met some really good people. They've turned into really good friends and, uh. You know, as far as I've been in, involved with a lot of deer hunting, duck hunting pages, mm-hmm. things like that. And I notice a lot of downplaying, you know, people want to, you know, they're not as friendly as I think people should be on some of these pages. Yeah. Um, but when I, when I got involved in the predator hunting community, mm-hmm. I was shocked at the caliber of people that I've met. You know, they, they will invite you come hunt their land you hunt with them they hunt with you Mm -hmm. Uh, predator hunters are very willing to give you any and all information they have to help you become more successful right and enjoy what you're doing a little more so that that was my main goal with starting the page yeah hopefully i can learn something from people maybe people can learn something from me yeah
0: and you had a really cool experience last night. You shot a three-legged coyote, didn't you?
2: We did, yeah. Yeah, I ended up working a little late yesterday, and after work I was like, oh, a couple of my buddies were out in the woods. So I figured, what the heck, I'll go meet up with them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yep, first three-legged dog, he just showed up out of nowhere, and uh, we ended up putting him down. Took him out of his misery.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the, and you know, the, it is so important. All different hunters, it is so important that we have the different hunting styles, you know. I mean, and some people look down at trappers, but there's a place for them too, you know. Oh, absolutely. Like there is certain places for animals in the ecosystem, every type of hunting is important. I mean, yeah. especially coyote hunting.
1: You're
2: correct. You know, a lot of people want to hunt turkeys and they want to hunt deer and you've got to kind of start like coyotes will decimate turkey eggs and nests and
1: yeah,
2: I mean, they'll do some damage on the fawn population also. So mm-hmm. I, when I first started doing this, my, my reason was I'm saving fawns, I'm saving livestock, you know, I'm helping farmers out or landowners out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that was my main reason when I first started doing this. And then over the years, I've come to realize that I I really enjoy doing this. You know, I mean, I like helping the, the farmers and the landowners, but this is a passion of mine, and I thoroughly love it. I yeah. enjoy it.
0: Yeah. You And, you know, when you get those coyote numbers down, then you start seeing more gray fox, red fox. You know, you see those... More opportunities for the trappers. Um, And and those, I can't tell you when the last time was I saw a gray fox.
2: I don't think, I've seen hundreds of reds over the years. I don't know that I've ever seen a gray in the wild.
0: Yeah, I've seen one, one time, just a fluke thing. And it was, I didn't. It was weird I was, because you see reds and you hear trappers talk about how many grays we used to have back in the day before all the coyotes. Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. You know, their population here, at least in the northern part of the state where I'm at, their population of grays is it's almost non-existent. I, I believe.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I haven't even heard of a trapper catching one. Um yeah. It it's and like I said, you know that's even as outdoorsmen, we need to be keeping conservation in the back of our mind like the duck hunters. I know you've done some uh snow goose hunting. I mean, those things are out of control. Um you know with coots, you know duck hunters like to shoot ducks but they don't like to shoot coots but coots have been video destroying duck nests so oh yeah. yeah i mean you have to take time as a hunter and work on conservation
1: well
2: i think a lot of hunters do not like shooting the coots because the coot is like a comfort bird for other ducks mm-hmm. you know if they say if coot if other ducks see coots in the water coots are very skittish yeah so if something's not right they're gone you know so if other ducks see coots around it makes them feel more comfortable and they'd probably work your decoy spread a little better.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Except I've had the reverse thing happen where the coots were way too far out. And so the ducks were landing in them and not the decoys. Sure. Yeah. So uh, so have you done a lot of duck hunting?
2: I do. I do. Uh, Every season I, you know, I try and mix up all my hunting. I try and get a little, little coyote hunting. Some waterfowl hunting, some deer hunting. I try and fit everything in, you know, and do a little bit of everything every year.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, but you did mention snow goose hunting, and if you ever get the opportunity to go and do it,
1: mm-hmm.
2: I mean, it's it is amazing how many birds will land in one field or circle above you. I mean, there are thousands of them just flying.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And the first time I experienced it, I was like, holy! Cow, I could not believe it. And uh, there's a lot of shooting involved, <laughs> yeah, a lot of ammo, but it is definitely a good time. Wow. Wow.
0: How, how many uh, did you guys get in one day?
2: Uh, let's see, our southern Illinois trip, um, I think we shot 32 in one day, and there was there was four shooters. Um, it was really hard working the birds Mm -hmm. in. they would circle and circle, but they would never want to come in and land. So I think that 32 was the best we did in Southern Illinois. Mm -hmm. And then just a friend and myself did a Arkansas hunt and there was only two shooters and we shot 24 birds in like an hour and a half. You know, when gosh. they, when they work you and they're coming in, it's, I mean, you're just dropping them left and right. Wow.
0: Wow. Yeah. I've seen some of those videos where they lo- shoot like 80 a day. It's just yeah. ridiculous. Oh yeah.
2: Yeah. The guide we had gone with, uh, he had a corporate group out with him the week before they shot like 163 birds in two days.
0: Oh my gosh.
2: Yeah. That's a lot of cleaning. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Do they taste okay?
2: They taste, yeah, they taste good. I like snow goose. You know, I usually smoke the breasts in the smoker mm-hmm. or cut them into medallions and kind of fry them, mm-hmm. but I I like it. I think it's good. My, my kids like it too.
0: Yeah. A, uh, friend of mine, he just shot, he shot a snow goose this year and he said he could not get it to cook right. So yeah. I guess it's just the different, you know, goose is a little different than cooking duck for sure.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah little greasier and mm-hmm. low and slow is how I like to cook it, you know, take your time with it. Let it, let it tenderize and cook real slow. Mm-hmm. comes out nice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It. um, yeah, that's awesome. That's cool. Yeah. And then a uh, couple months ago, I think during one of the drawings, I think you won a uh, predator call, didn't you? I did.
2: I did. That's I won awesome. your, uh, your rabbit rabbit yeah. call. I've yeah. used it several times. Have you I, called I, I anything like in? I'm sorry?
0: Have you called anything in with it?
2: I have. I have. I've probably I, I'm most of the time I use my electronic call.
1: Oh right, yeah.
2: But I always keep a I always keep a hand call or two in my pocket. And um, I believe I've shot two or three coyotes just with with your rabbit call.
0: That's awesome.
2: Yeah. That yeah. is awesome. Sound, it sounds nice.
0: That's awesome. The uh Eventually, I want to make a howler. Those are just a whole nother world. Yeah. Do, well, do you, you use do, a howler? I'll,
2: I'll test it out for you.
0: <laughs> definitely, definitely. Do you uh, do you use a howler?
2: I do. Yeah. yeah. I use uh, MFK diaphragms. Um, you know the open reeds, I have a couple open reed mm-hmm. howlers. Yeah. Um, but I like to keep the diaphragm in my mouth so I can kind of stay either in my scope or on my scanner and
1: mm-hmm. still
2: do some, some howls or some lines, you know, without, with being hands-free. So I, I like the diaphragms.
0: Yeah. Are you night vision or infrared?
2: So, uh, well, I do have night vision that I let either landowners or buddies use, um, mm-hmm. but I use thermal.
0: Oh yeah. Therm- thermal.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Did you, do you enjoy it?
2: Oh, Absolutely. absolutely it's definitely a learning curve you know um, as far as judging distance you really have to be careful on animal behaviors and being able to recognize is that somebody's house dog or is that a coyote right so you, you need to really be careful if when you get into thermal and animal behavior is key you know coyotes will come in they'll bounce a little bit their tails are always down You know, Mm -hmm. house dogs, when they come in, they're more just a a sprint or a run, tails usually up and curled. So a lot of times, there's been a couple times where I've had homeowner's dog or landowner's neighbor's dog comes in to check out what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you're not comfortable and confident with thermal vision, you know, it could be a could be a bad situation. You don't want to shoot anybody's dog,
0: right? Right, because I mean <laughs> that uh, that ends your hunt pretty quick.
2: Yeah, yes, it does.
0: And you know, that's that's the thing with um, you know, in Indiana, everyone's used to deer hunting, um, and when you get into coyote hunting, duck hunting, um, these different hunting styles. The thing that people don't think about is like during duck, during uh, uh, blue wing teal season, uh, there are wood ducks flying around. So, I mean, you have to watch it. You have to scout. You have to pay attention. You have to know what the different birds are. Like, if you're coyote hunting, you have to make sure you know the difference between a coyote and a bobcat. Absolutely. Um, So, I mean, and then people. You know, they're used to deer hunting. It would be like if there were deer and then you had antelope that were absolutely illegal to shoot hopping around too. So we're so used to that hunting that one species of whitetail. Then people try to transition to duck hunting, coyote hunting, where the laws are much different. And there's different things that you have to keep your eyes out. It's just... That's why and, sometimes like waterfowl, a, doing it first with an outfitter is actually a better idea.
2: It is. And especially with waterfowl, it is hard. I mean, these ducks are flying in 30 miles an hour sometimes. Mm-hmm. It is hard to ID a duck when they're zooming past you, you know, and you're ready to shoot. And if it's not wood duck season,
1: mm-hmm. you know,
2: you, you better be able to tell in a second what kind of bird that is that you're shooting at.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. You know,
2: incidentals happen. I mean, it happens every year. Somebody shoots something that you're not supposed to. That's part of, part of learning, I guess, you know, that's going to happen.
0: That's a hard way to
2: learn though. It is. But, you know, ultimately it's our responsibility to understand what we're hunting, Mm -hmm. identify what we're hunting and make sure that we're, you know, being true outdoorsmen when we do it.
0: Right. And, you know, that's, that's like, um. You know, when you guys are coyote hunting, you, you've already scouted, you know, where to sit, you know, where to do your stands at. Um, do, do you, what would that, why be right in saying that?
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I do so much scouting, even, you know, now with some of these apps that they have, uh, on X, hunt, hunt stand on X. I mean, you can, you can range like, oh, I'm going to set up on, you know, this point of this tree line you know you can get a good idea like what it is from one tree line to another before you even get into the field say well it's 300 yards from this tree line to that tree line Mm -hmm. you know uh terrain i mean they have these topical maps now where you can i mean it'll show you dips and rises in the field so you can do a lot of scouting just from your couch or in your truck before you even get out to the field and i think that's that's key you know try and get a good lay of the land where you're where you're going to be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I know some guys that before, well, when they wake up during waterfowl season, they are sitting, uh, looking at their phone, drinking their first cup of coffee, checking on X maps, checking the wind direction, um, and deciding where are they going to hunt? What have they seen in the last couple weeks? I mean, in all types of hunting, I would say scouting, especially when you get outside of whitetail, there is some scouting in that. Don't get me wrong. But when oh, yeah. you get into coyote hunting and waterfowl and this other stuff, um, I would say 85% of what you do is scouting.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you can go sit in the woods, but if there's no birds there, or, you know, turkey, coyotes, whatever it is, I mean, even even same with fishing, you know, you kind of, pre-fish a lake before you actually fish it. Right. You know, you try, you try and find the beds and the holes and the stumps, and then you make your way back around and you, you hit those spots that you're like, okay, there's, there's going to be fish here or there's going to be coyotes here. Yeah. But yeah, definitely scouting is key. Yeah. With with anything.
0: Yeah. That's why you see at the boat ramp, you see all these old white haired guys coming back with filled with crappie, you know, Because they have been doing it so long on some of these lakes, they know what time, what weather conditions, where to go.
2: Absolutely. Water temps, you know, they know where the cold water is going to be, the warm water. Understanding where you're hunting or fishing is, is huge.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So... Greg, uh, where do you see? What are you going to get done as far as uh, Porter County Predators in the next couple years? Are you hoping to see more members? Are you wanting to meet more people, go on more hunts? Where are you thinking?
2: Well, I definitely would like to see more members, yeah. um, but it's not really not really a numbers thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, I'd rather have fewer people who enjoy the page than lots of people who only half of them enjoy the page. Right. You know, um, one thing I would like to see, I think right now I'm just under 500 members on the page. Mm-hmm. I think we've been hovering around 470 members for, for a little while now. Um, but out of those 470 members that are on the page, there's about five guys that actually post post, consistently or comment on other people's posts. Mm-hmm. Um I would like to see just a little more re, uh, interaction between the members that are on the page, you know, even if it's just a comment of saying hey, congratulations or you right. know whatever it may be. Um I would I would like to see when somebody posts something that they're proud of on the mm-hmm. page, I would like to see all 470 members, you know, give a thumbs up or you know, congratulations or something like that. Right. That would be my my goal for the page. Would be get people talking, get people interacting. You know, make a new friend, take somebody else hunting.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, teach a kid if there's a kid on there that you know wants to get into deer hunting or turkey hunting. And if you have the opportunity to, to take a younger person and show them, maybe teach them something that you know, things mm-hmm. that you know work, things that you know that don't work. Um. You know, I mean, really, that's that's what the hunting community is about, right? It's getting the next generation involved.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, and you know that's that's what um, you know that's what the Hoosier Outdoorsman group is for. That's what this podcast is for. That's what your uh, your group, Porter County Predators. You know, uh, last last year uh, I talked to Matthew Badger, the um, Oh, man, was he on? He is on the board, I think it is, of the Indiana Trappers Association. And he okay. said that they looked – they've been watching the license – hunting license and fishing license numbers in Indiana, and it is scary. They keep going down and down and down. And if they don't get to a – if it drops below a certain point, uh, the, uh, the government actually – gives the state a grant after they hit so many people buying licenses. And we're almost to the point. We may not get that grant if it keeps dropping.
2: Hey guy. Well, that's why we have to get children, keep, keep kids involved. I have a son. He's eight years old. You know, and he's, he's been out in the woods with me since he was four years old. He's been coming with me Mm -hmm. this year was his first year with his apprentice license. This nice. is his first year taking. I got him a 20 gauge this year. So it was his first year going out, actually going after Turkey. You know, we had our first season with Turkey and I ended up, I was successful this year. I shot a pretty nice Tom nice. and uh, Nicholas. We, we got him in front of a couple birds, uh, but nothing that I was comfortable with him taking that shot. You know, it was a little far, I thought for a 20 gauge.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So, he he still said he enjoyed the season. You know, he was out there. He got to see some birds. He was able to actually get on his gun and, you know, aim at one, but he was never able to take the shot. Mm-hmm. But he enjoyed it. He loved it. He's looking forward to going again.
0: It's awesome. That's awesome. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Um, yeah. I was going to say something. I don't remember. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so you uh, have listened to a, a few episodes of the uh, podcast?
2: I have. Awesome. I have. Sometimes when I'm at work, I, uh, you know, tap it into the stereo at work. And one of your, your podcasts are some of the ones I listen to. Uh, another one I listen to is, like, uh, The Dog Soldier. Those Ooh,
0: are I have never heard of that the...
2: one. Yeah, uh, Steve Kreiner. He's, uh, yeah. He's, he's one of the better well-known predator hunters Ooh, a guy has a wealth of information and knowledge so i i like listening to him even though i've been doing this for quite a few years i mean you still Mm -hmm. you're gonna learn you're gonna learn things you think you got it figured out but you don't
0: yeah have you watched any of the uh, team zombie predator reaper videos by keith couch i have yeah yeah he's a good guy he's been on the podcast
2: he is a good guy i uh I hunt with this guy, Chad Woods. He also has a, a hunting page for Indiana.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, it's called um, HIT, uh, Hunting Indiana Trophies. And uh, Keith posts a lot of videos on, on that page there. So that's that's usually where I watch Keith's videos.
0: Chad Woods. He, he has the picture of the Red haired Dachshund's Facebook picture, doesn't he? Uh,
2: I don't know. I don't know what he has on okay. there.
0: Cause I've, I've seen, I've seen him post or I've seen him comment on some stuff on the Hoosier Outdoorsman. Um, and yeah, I think I've talked to him once or twice before. So you hunt with uh, Chad Woods?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I actually met Chad through, through my page. Um, you know, and he's probably 45 minutes an hour from where I live. So we're not Mm -hmm. that far from each other. And, uh, you know, he invited me out one night. Hey, come on out. Hunt with me and my boys, and I went out with them. Hunted one night, and ever since then, we've been you know we've been pretty good friends. Cool, and we hunt together quite often.
0: That's cool. That's very cool. Yeah, it. You know, I've talked to people about this before. It is amazing how easy you can. I mean, right now this is the golden age of Facebook. I mean, uh, I I can talk to someone from Texas if I want to uh, right now. And um, if I want to talk to someone uh, that's coyote hunting in Indiana or something like that or go hunt duck hunting with someone, I can. It's just crazy the opportunity we have with Facebook right now.
2: Oh, yeah, the networking through, through Facebook, I mean, it makes it a lot easier to find similar people.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it, and it's – what puts a smile on my face is you know you have like what you're doing with the group i mean keep on going man once you get over that 500 member hurdle uh it starts snowballing a little bit and something i've noticed uh watch out when you get about 700 members then the people start posting advertisements all oh, the yeah. time yeah and yeah. i have to weed through them like there's certain ones i i want like people that have been on the podcast like Rob Lund or, you know, some of these guys, I'm like, yeah, you know, promote your stuff on here. But when you have people from Africa or stuff like that, um, you kind of yeah, have to weep it.
2: Clogging up the page with a a bunch of stuff people don't want to see. Yeah. Or may not want to see. Yeah. 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 No, I, under, I understand that completely. I mean, there is a time and a place for those things. And if... You know, one hand washes the other. If somebody's supporting you, positive feedback, well, why wouldn't you do the same and give right. somebody else positive feedback yep. and try and support them also? Yep. But it's a, give, it's a give and take, you yep. know. Yep. And I guess with the Facebook and the social me- uh, media, you kind of have to take the good with the bad. You know, you're going to meet a lot of good people, but mixed in with that, you're going to find the negative Nancys, yep. people that want to just put everybody down or want to argue about everything and kind of got to take that with a grain of salt and just let them be on their way.
0: Yep. Yep. Um, yep. Uh, so what was I going to say, man, I'm spacing out really bad today. (laughs) Um, yeah, so I'm going to, we're going to have to close this out real quick so I can get someone else on. Uh, but real quick, um, do you want to plug uh, Porter County real quick?
2: Absolutely. Go ahead. If you're listening. You wanna you wanna join the our group, Porter County Predators. Find us on Facebook. Good hunting community. A lot of good people. Come see us.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Now, uh, so are people? I know it's kind of the off season with coyotes, but can you still hunt them on private land?
2: You can hunt them all year round on private land as long mm-hmm. as you have written permission. Uh, I know a lot of people want to. Only hunt them during, you know, the fall and the winter months breeding season.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, way I look at it is you're not saving fawns if you're not killing coyotes when fawns are fawns. Right. You know, if you wait until a fawn is grown and on its own, you know, they can get away from coyotes. They can survive a little better. Now's the time before the fawns drop, while the fawns are, are being born. Now's the time to get out there and get some of those coyotes out of the population, help the deer population grow. And then also turkey nests. You know, this time of year, turkey nests are they're getting robbed by coons and coyotes and fox. So
1: right.
2: It really helps with the population of all the other species of animal if you're, you're getting them in the off-season. You know, when other things are being born, get rid of those coyotes. Awesome. Awesome.
0: Well, Greg, stay on the line. I'm going to close her out real quick.
2: Okay. I appreciate you having me on.
0: Man, thank you for coming on. That was Greg Galloway, and we were talking about his group, Porter County Predators. If you get a chance, uh, get involved with that community on there, especially if you're a coyote hunter. Uh, And, um, yeah, and just get involved in that community. Meet some cool people like Greg and, yeah, help build that community. Um, So, yeah. So, I am going to see who we have on next. Yeah. All right. So, that was Greg Galloway. And we were talking about Porter County Predators. And as we were talking, he was talking about his buddy, Chad, that he was hunting with last night. Um, and they shot a three-legged coyote. So, Chad... Man, we just went through this. I just spaced your last name again. Uh, What's your name? I'm sorry. Woods. Woods, that's right. That's right. And actually, we're doing something new today. I'm actually FaceTiming with Chad. Uh, He actually has better connection through Facebook than actually on his phone, so we are doing that today. So, Chad, um, how was it last night? Tell me about that three-legged coyote and hunting with Greg.
3: Um, uh, yeah, last night was, uh, we started about eight o'clock, eight 30, got out, um, started out slow mm-hmm. and, uh, I believe it was our second place we went to. Um, we called up this one, one coyote and, uh, he kind of surprised us, came from uh, a different area that we expected him to come from and was in our face really quick. And, uh, it was a quick jump on the guns and shoot thing. And a couple shots later, the coyote was dead and uh greg went to recover it and drug drug it back to us and we looked and he had three legs and it was kind of surprising that he could move as fast as he was on three legs really so yeah it got it got went from kind of a calm moment to a very exciting moment to Uh end but yeah we uh we uh stayed out to about three o'clock last night and um we missed two coyotes after that third, that first one, and uh, we heard several different uh, howls. So they were moving last night.
0: Yeah, yeah. So how long have you been doing this, Chad?
3: Uh, I've been hunting since I was twelve, but I've been coyote hunting since nineteen ninety six. What I consider really coyote hunting full time.
0: Yeah, I was seven. <laughs>
3: It's, it's been a while.
0: So has coyote hunting yeah, changed? I'm, in... I'm Go ahead.
3: Older. I said, I'm getting older, that's for sure.
0: Has Have you seen coyote hunting change in during since that time?
3: Yes, it's drastically changed. Um, back in 96 when I started, uh, I had a rechargeable flashlight tape or uh, pipe clamp to my gun. Mm-hmm. I used a regular scope. Um, when we night hunted it, that's how, how we did it back then. Um, then we stepped up to these great big six volt batteries with a, a big light on top of our scope. And um, I started out hand calling back then, and then we went from nights to day because we could see more coyotes during the day and actually yeah. call them in mm-hmm. just by hand calls. Um, and we did fair when we started, we did fair first couple years, and then you know. We kind of backed off a little bit here and there with life going on. But uh, then we went and started with a Johnny Stewart cassette caller. That was our first electronic caller was a cassette.
0: Oh, my God.
3: Um, thing weighed about 15 pounds. It was a giant, like a small car ba- or a lawnmower battery type with a cassette you plugged in and the cord stretched out on a speaker. Oh my I mean, gosh. it was dinosaur. <laughs> then we, you know, I kept with my hand calls and i I do fare with them still today um but with the new technology of the electronic calls being all on computer chips and and the remote control and the sound quality of them you you just can't beat them so you the, the hand calls i carry two of them with me all the time and those are just for like if we got one hung up and we got the caller shut off you know i can grab it and squeak or whatever yeah you know
0: yeah, well, there's, so, but, yeah, there there is. I mean, coyotes, go ahead.
3: The coyotes of today, the coyotes of today, are more evolved than the coyotes of mid '90s. Mm-hmm. Um, for one, there's more. There's probably five times more coyotes. There's probably ten times more coyote wannabe hunters and hunters.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, the coyotes are more educated. They're more um so they see people more so yeah. they're more leery of them at least in, in our state hmm. so that's another thing that's kind of because i know like years ago i could whip out a, a hand call hit it three or four times and you got a kyle within view may not be within range but they are looking and seeing what what's going on now it's hard to even see them
0: hmm. Hmm. so Uh, Chad, tell me about, uh, HIT. Is it HIT abroad outdoors? Is that what it's called?
3: It's it's a hit adventures abroad. Okay. Um, it's stands for hunting Indiana trophies, adventures abroad is what it stands for. Um, I started the Facebook page about two years ago. Um, just something for me and my kids to, you know, post pictures on and, and other people, um, over the years, that I've been, been hunting. I've guided for outfitters in the state. Um, I've done seminars. Uh, I'm a, I'm a hunter's edge instructor. I used to be a police officer for 10 years and I was a firearms instructor for that. So I've been involved with guns and the outdoors for a very long time. And I've given back to that because I've been blessed to have the instructor's ability and, and the ability to have the contacts that I have.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So I decided to start this Facebook page, Hit adventures abroad, and um, we we just do seminars on there every now and then. Uh, I do uh, helpful videos of like new gear coming out if I get it, or something that I get that I like. I'll do a video on there, um, mainly for other people to post pictures. You know, um, just something to get out and out know, and let people see what's going on. And then also, I started on there. Um, I, I would do a little small ad of. Of uh, uh, if you have problems with coyotes, give us a holler, you know, and it, and it, it kind of prospered a little bit. And I was getting phone calls from people two and a half hours away down in Lafayette. And I live Ooh. in Northern Indiana. And, uh, you know, like I told the lady, I said, you're a little too far for me to do you any good, but I have friends down there that I can call and get them in contact with you. So we're, we've been doing that a little bit too.
0: Nice. 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 The, um, you know, and that, that's the thing that I was just talking to Greg about um, with his group. You know, these pages, these groups, the Hoosier Outdoorsmen. Um, you know, it's, they're they're just making such a community, um, and you know, I've seen a lot of people get involved. I've seen some people off of the Hoosier Outdoorsmen group be on the Porter County Predators. I mean, um. It's just a giant community and it's, it's really helped out the local hunter and what you were just talking about with HIT and the uh, coyote thing, having those hunters on there that are able to get in contact with that person that's out of reach. That's just awesome. That's awesome.
3: Yeah. I was kind of excited about it because we, I'd go into the livestock uh, pages where people were selling livestock and stuff and post those ads on there. And I was getting the phone calls and, and, over the years and over the pages that we have was by us networking the way we do with our pages. Mm-hmm. Um, that gives you context all over the state. You know, uh, Keith Couch, you interviewed him several years ago. He's a good friend of mine down in Southern Indiana, mm-hmm. Jeff Swayford, uh, He's in Lafayette, Charlie Glasson's in Lafayette. I got um, Dale and uh, Justin uh, from Moonline Outdoors uh, in Richmond. They're, you know, they're all friends of mine and I give them a call at any time. And tell them, hey, this person's got this problem. Here's their number, and they'll they'll go take care of it. And th- they're glad to do that, and and they do it for me too. Mm-hmm. Um, the networking of our pages is, like you said, being tremendous um, helpfulness for uh, hunters and stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's it, you're able to make friendships that you would never be able to until now. It's so cool because I mean that's how you met. Yeah. That's
3: Greg. Like Greg Yep, and you, exactly.
0: And you guys were uh, hunting last night and shot a three legged coyote. So that's just awesome.
3: Yeah, Greg and I went out last Friday. And we killed uh, two. Um, called in, I think, four. Or we seen seven coyotes last Friday and killed two. Yeah. So.
0: Have you uh, brushed shoulders with uh, Creed Distress or ever heard of him?
3: Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> With Keith and then all that, Creed's kind of dropped off things. I don't know if he's working a lot or what, mm. but uh, I haven't talked to him in a while. But uh, I, one of the products that he has on his page is the Tamer, and uh, I got one on my gun, and I love it. So yeah, I've, I've talked to Creed and his son James quite a bit uh, last year and throughout the winter. Um, I just haven't got to talk to him here lately. Yeah,
0: yeah. Now what what was the uh, product what that you were talking about? What was that on your gun? It's,
3: a, it's called the tamer. It's a uh, compensator that quite, kind of quiets your gun down, but or redirects the sound out away from you. Um, there's a lot of us that have those are running them because they're fairly reasonable. You don't need a, a FFL or a stand to buy it because it's a compensator, it's an mm-hmm. and um, it goes on the end of your gun. And, and uh, like I was running a six-five and it quieted it down to where I don't even need to wear earplugs. It helps your other people that's with you, too, if you're standing beside them shooting, so that sound goes out away from them and not into their ear. Mm. Mm.
0: So you are shooting the uh, Creedmoor, you said? I
3: I, w- I was shooting a 6.5 Creedmoor up until um, two weeks ago. Um, me and my son built a pair of two forty three ARs, so we're running those now
0: nice why uh haven't you done the 22 250 thing that everyone's doing
3: we did we did years ago that's what we ran we ran the 223 when i started at a 223 bolt mm-hmm. um my uh father-in-law at the time had a 22 250 and my son had a 22 250 and we had a 243 that we ran um mm-hmm. all bolt guns we didn't we, the ars weren't big back then um there's nothing wrong with the 250. There's nothing wrong with the 223. It's just from watching some of the stuff that we've been through. Uh, I like that little more knockdown power that we don't have to track coyotes. Yeah, yeah. Does it
0: knock them down pretty quick?
3: Yeah, that that 22, that six five, they're stone dead. I haven't had one, but to move once I hit them, they're done. Yeah. Uh, the two forty three, I shot one last week. I uh, uh, shot it in the neck, so it was done too. But um, Greg's running a .65 Grindel, um, so everybody's kind of stepped up to a bigger, bigger bullet. I know some of the guys are running the twenty two Nosler and the two two four Valkyrie, and there's nothing wrong with any of the guns that any of these guys are using.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, they all work. Yeah yeah what what are the uh,
0: ranges that you guys are typically shooting at when you guys go out
3: uh on an average, average shot is about 150 and under okay um we do have some we have had some that i've taken at 250 plus um and and connected on those um i'm gonna say probably my further shot would have been right about 275
0: yeah hmm that's 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 pretty out there was it a field shot i'm guessing open field
3: uh yeah Yeah, it was actually it was across it was across the pond um we were on a hillside and we had a pond down in front of us and the kite was on the other side of the pond come out into a hay field um but yeah so basically an open field
0: yeah yeah well um Huh. The, yeah, so I'm doing these 20 minute increments and we're, man, whenever you talk about hunting, it goes by so quick. <laughs> but, uh, definitely real worries. quick, before definitely we uh, close out, I, I want you to eventually come back. Maybe I can have you and Greg come on at the same time, maybe call in at the same time, something like that. But I definitely want you back, uh, Chad. Uh, real quick, do you want to, um, uh, do you want to plug the, uh, HIT real quick so people can find that?
3: Yeah. Um, it's called hit, hit adventures abroad. And then we also have hunting Indiana predators. We have two pages. Um, you can find them on Facebook. Um, just get on there, punch in hit adventures abroad or hunting Indiana predators, HIP. And, uh, they'll come up and come, come join us and have fun cause that's what we're about. We want to have fun. We want to help people out. And, uh, keep uh, advancing our skills and helping others advance their skills to get as good as some of of us are out here.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Chad, don't hang up yet. I'm going to close her out real quick. So that was Chad Woods and we've been talking about his group. If you get a chance, check it out. And yeah, it has been cool, especially talking to Greg Galloway, then talking about Chad. And I uh, messaged Chad and he told me he had been listening to the show and uh, had been watching me turn uh, duck calls and game calls. I was like, well, I'm just going to have him on. So it's amazing how quick you can make those connections. Uh, so yeah, so tune in for the next guest. We'll see who comes on next. All right, here I am today with one of the... So I have had two members of the Hoosier Hit Squad uh, on the podcast, I first had Greg Robinson, and then I had Reese Robinson, no relation. Now, I have, for the 50th episode, I have Logan Revolt. Logan, how are you doing?
4: I'm doing great. How about yourself?
0: Doing great, man. So, so the Hoosier Hit Squad, how many people are in it? Is there four guys?
4: Yes, we've got Four.
0: Yeah. Now, who would you say is like the leader? Who's the funny guy? Who's like, is it just a rag and tag bunch? Or how would you describe the Hoosier hit squad? I mean,
4: kind of depends on the season. I mean, we've (laughs) got Greg who's got what 35 plus years of waterfowling under his belt. Uh So during duck and goose, we're listening to him. Yeah, I got to kind of take charge this past this turkey season, because the other three members have not killed a bird which mm-hmm. changed this season luckily but uh yeah I kind of took lead on that and shared my knowledge of turkey hunting and all that stuff so it kind of depends on the season and uh as far as the funny guy I kind of got to say I've got it with all the dad jokes so
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: yeah so you're that guy that everyone just like shakes their head and they're like really really <laughs> yeah,
1: maybe <laughs> <laughs> but
0: um Yeah, so, you know, that's what's handy. So, and I've talked to people about this before, and I said, you know, that's the thing. With me, I'm able to get away with the podcast because I'm a duck hunter, and then I just have people call in, and I know enough to get by. So, if someone's (laughs) talking about deer hunting, I have done it enough that I can get by. But, you know, if you're in a group, a hunting group, especially if you're doing video, you have to have that at least one you have to have a group that at least one person out of that group is the specialist. So when Mm -hmm. you go to duck season, you've got, um, you've got Greg, when you go to Turkey season, you know, you've got you. So to take point and yeah, when you have a group like that, it just rounds out the experience and you're able to be efficient. And it sounds like you guys have been very efficient. The, uh, this last season.
4: Yeah, we, uh, I don't know how we got this lucky, but I mean, we put in the time scouting. We put in the time with, you know, trail cams, obviously sitting a lot in the fields and walking brush lines and walking the ridges, trying to figure out what these birds were doing.
1: Mm -hmm.
4: Finally got it all to come together. So it worked out.
0: (laughs) Nice, nice. Now uh, let's talk about turkey season. Like where was your mindset going into this? this season because I've talked to some people and they said, "Man, it sounded so awesome the start <laughs> of the season and then it just fell apart like oh, they, man. they shut up pretty quick."
4: It we had our hopes real high. So, one of the properties we were uh, hunting, we had four very good sized toms on camera pretty consistent every 2 to 3 days. So, we figured we were going to be done by the first weekend Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it kind of fell apart. We only saw one of those four birds after I think it was the weekend before opening day. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I had my sights set on one that we called paintbrush, big old thick beard on him, He old bird, very Mm -hmm. mature, very big, but we never saw him again. So, you know, it is what it is. They're animals. They go where they want. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: I love it whenever you talk to people, when they get so into their season that they like start naming the animals. I love it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like like you talk to the old redneck and he's like, we've been saying this deer for the last four years. We call him the (laughs) ghost because he comes in and he's gone before you can get your gun out. it's like. Cool.
4: Man, I had one of those when I was stationed down in North Carolina. Called it Nessie. I could only get it on camera, and never saw him in person. <laughs> really? Had a giant spike on the left side and then his right had a nice four point just it was a terrible genetic deer, but it was cool. He was big, mm-hmm. big bodied deer.
0: <laughs> See, that's that's what counts, you know. Yeah, the racks are nice, yeah the triple curl is cool, but you know, <laughs> When you having those different recipes are pretty nice too. I won't lie. Mm-hmm. the The eating part is what I enjoy. So,
4: oh, absolutely! That's what it's all about with us.
0: <laughs> yeah. Did, so let's talk about. We uh, did you you guys went on a pheasant hunt too, didn't you?
4: Yes. So we uh, we went down to Southern Indiana, and the four of us, after duck and goose season had ended, mm-hmm. went down there and did our own. It was a put and take. I mean, there's really not much upland game here in Indiana, but we had an absolute blast. It was a lot of fun and found out what an A5 with a fixed full choke does to a pheasant in about 15 feet, and it's not pretty.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so it was just picking up the feathers?
4: Yeah, I mean, it pretty much raked the breast out for us. Oh, man.
0: Yeah, I've I've seen that done. I went duck hunting with a guy and he had a uh, turkey choke in and we mm. were duck hunting and the duck was way too close. I was like, "Wait, wait, 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 wait." And he just I was like, "Don't five-yard shoot him, man. Just wait. Give him some time." But
1: uh, and
4: that was that was my first shot with the I picked up a uh, 1966 Browning A5 Magnum
1: mm-hmm.
4: with and it was a fixed barrel fixed choke barrel. And yeah, I thought I had waited a good four to five seconds to let that bird flush out. And apparently I didn't. <laughs> oh, man. Bruce got that one on video. It's, uh, it's pretty gnarly. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, the guy that I was hunting with at that time, he was, I've talked about it on the show before and talked about the dangers of this, but he kept, um, he, he had like a special backpack, And he would, like, I was like, what's this guy doing? And, like, we were spread out. I was, like, 10 yards away from him, but close enough to where we could talk back and forth and have a conversation. But Mm -hmm. he kept getting in that backpack. I'm like, what is he doing? And so, all of a sudden, he's, like, yammering and all. And he had two fifths in his (laughs) backpack. Oh, no. And he's like, I'm so cold. And I'm, like, sitting there with hand warmers. I was like, really? Really? I packed all this crap to keep myself warm in the cold, and you just brought two fifths. <laughs> <And then laughs> I was—he's like, oh, I'm so—and then like he—he he saw a quail or something, blew away a quail with this turkey gun. I was like, oh, okay, let's just pack up and go. Oh <laughs> it was, man, <laughs> it's—and it was really nice. Like it was a good morning, and you know, you see those birds flying by, and it's like you know, it, it's just not worth it. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I want to see my 20th season, my 30th season. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's all about having a good time. And some of the videos I've seen of you guys, man, you you guys sure have a good time. And at the same time, you're effective. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, for all of you guys <laughs> to get your turkeys but still have a good time, um, yeah. that's the I mean, shoot steak percentage
4: for birds harvested to tags is what? between 20 and 25 Mm percent and we went four for four
1: Mm -hmm. like
0: i'm happy yeah (laughs) and you know then you look at these guys these ridiculous guys like john lagu that are Mm -hmm. like 80 percent it's like how 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 do you do that
4: well he puts in the time scouting and he he does his work Oh yeah, and it's it definitely shows. I mean, I saw a post from him. I think it was yesterday. He's already booked out for next spring.
0: That's ridiculous. So that's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah I've talked to him about um, getting on duck hunting with him. Have you guys? Did you go duck hunting with him this last year? I did
4: not. I didn't make it out there. I know okay. Greg and Zach went out there at least once. I think maybe two or three times, but. Um, that last time they went, it was just pouring down rain, and I know that's when Greg shot his first out-of-state banded goose. Mm. So it's uh, it seems like a good area out there.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It it uh, is. Yeah, it. Some of the videos I've seen, and then he's he's just. I'll, I don't know, because I know there are some bad outfitters out there. But he's just got something extra about him. I mean, look at that beast of a deer he shot. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> and in the picture, I loved it, and uh, I, I like put a caption on. It's like like a boss, and he's like just <laughs> leaning back, just hanging. on, Here, look what I shot. It's like oh, whatever. <laughs> but you know, there, there are. You know, that's the thing about groups of guys. And I have tried to hunt in a group before. And um, some people can do it. Some people can't. Like, I just have not found the right group to hunt with. Because, Mm -hmm. I mean, there is a fine line between having a fun time. And then there's a fine line of being so into it that you make it just miserable.
4: And see, that's the dynamics of the Hoosier hit squad is really what sets it apart. I mean, with, like I said, ducks, you've Mm -hmm. got Greg who's had the experience and he's out there getting more enjoyment from seeing us like our first day hunting together. Mm
1: -hmm.
4: Reese and myself shot our first geese. And then Reese, Zach and myself shot our first ducks in the same day with Greg. Mm -hmm. And he's like, dude, that was That was the best part of the whole season, watching you guys get on your first. And, of course, I mean, he shoots the uh, weird goose, which we have affectionately called Gregory. But, uh... Gregory. Yeah, that was an awesome day and a great start for the Hoosier Hit squad.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so what's sad, though, is you're going to be leaving soon. Yeah, I'm
4: going to be opening up some... uh, more hunting locations for the Hoosier Hit Squad. <laughs> <laughs> now, yeah, the uh, the army has decided that my time here in recruiting is done, which I am extremely happy about. Mm-hmm. And I will be moving to Fort Riley, Kansas, in about somewhere around October.
1: Hmm.
0: Nice. Yeah, I just bet you're depressed about that one. Oh, it's terrible. I it's bet. just ugh. <laughs> 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 yeah, the um, yeah I've I've had a couple of guys on, um, and they've invited me out there, and it's like, yeah, uh, well, I think when I talked to them, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, and then like a couple weeks later, my wife was like, yeah, I'm pregnant. It's like, well, <laughs> well
4: that kind of kills those plans. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll see Kansas in a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> and the
4: crazy thing, so Fort Riley's actually got an elk herd on post. No. you can put in for a draw for every year.
0: That's ridiculous.
4: So, I mean, if I can get a nice bull elk, I'd be extremely happy. (laughs) Yeah. Plus, all the ducks and everything else. I mean, shoot, you can shoot 50 light geese a day during Mm -hmm. normal season.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's the thing about... And, you know, when you dive into the world, especially of waterfowl, you're... I mean you're always thinking about you're preparing you're whenever you're on Amazon you're thinking oh should I buy this lighter pack or should I buy this duck call I mean when you especially when you jump into the world of waterfowl man there's a whole world dog training duck call making decoy mm-hmm. making I mean it's just vast and uh, and, I mean, and then duck hunters are just, like, the crack addicts, the heroin addicts of the hunting world. I mean, <laughs> gotta have this, gotta have
4: that. Yep. Yes.
1: <laughs>
4: but you know what? One thing I don't have to worry about is duck calls. I am pretty well set.
1: Oh, you
0: uh, jumped on the JT wagon?
4: So, I actually work out at the same gym as Jake in the oh, mornings, no. and I knew him before I knew he made duck calls and before I got into waterfowl. Mm. So... It was kind of a no-brainer, especially mm-hmm. listening and seeing the reviews and how his business runs. Like, it's it's top-notch. Yeah. And I actually picked up Duck Calls and Goose Calls this past, I think it was last September-ish. Mm-hmm. And I actually sounded good on them within a very short amount of time. Yeah. Like, I can... I can blow his goose calls and actually get geese to come in, and they're not just like, "Hey, what? What's that weird thing out there in that field making that awkward, crazy noise?" <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I I've heard that you. I mean, they're so easy to blow. I oh, it's I amazing! Heard, I've heard just so many good reviews about them, and um, I eventually won well, on the podcast. I've talked to him a little bit, but. Um, uh, nothing has come of it so far, but he, um, yeah, I would love to get him on the podcast and talk crap just for a second. <laughs> see what I can do
4: for you. <laughs> huh? Yeah. I'll see what I can do for Please you. Please
0: do. Because I want to talk to him about that stupid Cajun squeal <laughs> that he got going. And I'll tell you what, because you know him, you work out with him, mm-hmm. you, you'll appreciate this. So That year that he really busted out of the market, and you have to just respect the crap out of the guy. um, He started doing these videos of the Bouncing Hand, the Cajun Squeal. I started Mm -hmm. seeing them all over YouTube. And I was sitting down in this marsh. Okay, it's like 4 o'clock in the morning. It's maybe (laughs) 5. It was starting to, you know, it's not golden hour yet, but we're starting to creep up there. Everyone's getting excited. And I was in this area of probably 800 acres, so there's duck hunters all around me. Mm-hmm. Logan, in that time, I heard the Cajun squeal and bouncing hen every freaking time. There wasn't any quacks, there weren't any hails. It was. Ah, 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 ah. I'm like, wow, mm-hmm. that. And so it was like, and I I just sat there and I was like, you know selling a duck call is one thing and i can do that i'm a duck call maker i can sell duck call but -hmm. the problem is is starting a trend and that guy started a trend that was (laughs) ridiculous now i was impressed the first day now after like the 10th time of going in the marsh and hearing the bouncing hen and cajun squeal every freaking time I was ready to call him up and be like, why did you do this? It's ridiculous. But but And then, like, I talked to someone. I said, hey, I heard you were using the bouncing hen and Cajun Squirrel. Yeah, JT calls, blah, 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 blah. I was like, but here's the thing, man. Can I just ask you this? He's like, what? I said, listen, isn't that supposed to be for a field application when they have the corn stuck in their gullet, not in the marsh, eating rice? And... <laughs> He's like, well, "I haven't thought about that." I was like, oh, "Okay, but mm-hmm. but I'll <laughs> tell you what, he I would love to have him on the podcast. He he was, you know, once you have all these people making duck calls and goose mm-hmm. calls, but when someone makes a trend, make, that is ridiculous. That's like the Beatles. Like, I mean, <laughs> and he he is and I'm going to say he is going to be that one person that people just talk about for the next ten years, yeah, because he he just and he steps it up every time,
4: well, yeah, he puts out a great product mm-hmm. and then the guarantee behind it is almost better than the product itself. It's hard to say that, but yeah, if you're not happy with it, he buys it back. no questions asked, no nothing like he it's a great business, and it's literally him. And I think his wife just started helping out with doing a lot of the uh, turkey calls and everything mm-hmm. during like the in-between seasons. And he's just doing it in his house right now, putting together an awesome call with some awesome customer service.
0: And that's where it counts as customer service. Mm-hmm. That's where it counts. And yeah, it's yeah. Uh, we won't make this a JT podcast, uh, episode <laughs> because I want a whole episode with that guy just to yeah. find out what were you thinking? How did you do this? <laughs> did you know it would blow up like this? Because Logan, the last year I've talked to people and I always like to say, Hey, what kind of duck call do you have on your lanyard? Because I'm curious, I'm a duck call maker. I want to know if it's a, uh, a cold front. I want to know if it's a, because uh, lund, lund or, or yeah, and <laughs> yeah. every time, like, well, there were a couple of lunds that I spotted, but there were most of the time. It was like, oh, I have a JT, and people are so, uh, they love JT so much. It's like I've got Ford, and I'm not switching. Like it's incredible and duck duck hunters, they usually have, I have a crap load of calls. I I use every type of call. I love, you know, but these guys that are used to collecting calls and they're just staying with that one. Mm -hmm. That's a little bizarre. I've
1: never seen that
4: before. Even for Turkey season, I picked up his diaphragm calls and his, uh, ceramic pot call. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you what, they sound amazing. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I'm sitting here, so Greg shot his first bird, 23 and a half pounds. It was an um, 11 and seven8 inch beard and 30 millimeter spurs on this thing. Real good bird. Shot him at like 15 yards.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: We had heard this thing gobble at about nine o'clock, way, way down in a ravine, far away from us. So I hit did a little cutting sequence with the, uh, the diaphragm call. Didn't hear him at all after that. And we're sitting there. It's maybe, I think, 945. And all of a sudden, we just hear something that sounded like a a semi-door closing. Just, boom, boom. And it didn't occur to me at first. Mm
1: -hmm.
4: And then I heard uh, a turkey was spitting and drumming 15 yards behind our blind. (laughs) And so Greg turns and looks. He's like, dude, he's right there. Mm -hmm. And I just hear him breathing heavy and shaking. I was like, this is it. I get to experience his first turkey. It was amazing. He put a good shot on it. That turkey hit the ground, and it was done.
0: That is awesome. That is awesome. And, you know... It's crazy because Greg has been duck hunting for so long and he has, you know, that's the thing. um, He has seen all these crazy things in all the years he's been duck hunting and he Mm -hmm. gets all crazy over a turkey.
4: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it was, I'm telling you watching him shoot his bird was more exciting than me shooting mine. Yeah. Like it was, it was awesome. Like I was riding the high through Saturday (laughs) and he shot him at, 10 o'clock on a Friday.
0: Yeah. When you get so that's when, you know, when you're with a good group and all of you guys have lucked out with the Hoosier hit squad. Um, When you find guys that you are so that you it's, it's almost as important for them to get their Turkey as it is for you to get yours and you get more amped up over their Turkey. That's what it's all about. And that's when, you know, when you're in a really good group of guys.
4: I was really happy that the other three guys tagged out before I did. That's cool. Like, we've got Zach, which, you know, first turkey, real excited, shoots a bearded hen and space taking pictures. <laughs> <laughs> which, you know, it hey, he was at his house, did his own thing. He's got his own property. That was awesome, his yeah. first bird. Uh, yeah. We've got Reese, who got a pretty good-sized Jake for his first bird, and he Mm. was solo. No decoys. He did a little calling, and I don't know how, but he let those Jakes mess around in front of him for, I think, an hour before he finally pulled the trigger. Wow. We've got Greg's, and then mine was second-to-last day of season. Sitting in a cornfield, which when we first scouted it, I'd made the comment, this is it. This is where it's going to go down. Yeah. And second-to-last day had this (laughs) – we had a coyote come in and winded us at about 100 yards. Mm-hmm. About a half hour later, we had two deer come in. They got within about 20 yards, winded us, and ran off. So it's about 1.15 in the afternoon. Yeah. We've been sitting there all day not hearing anything. We're tucked back into the wood line a little bit, and not going to lie, Greg and I were sitting there on our phones just messing around on Facebook.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: <laughs> He happens to look up. And he's like, dude, 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 dude. There's a tom. There's a bird. There's a bird. <laughs> so it's coming in. I finally picked him up on binos at about 75 yards. Didn't mm-hmm. make a single noise. I didn't have to do anything. He was coming straight in. Like we were on the X for that turkey. Wow. Came in. He got to about 30 yards, passed by a tree, and I was like, okay, this is it. Pulled mm-hmm. the trigger and he dropped.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. I, I wish we could talk more, but with these little <laughs> segments, um, yeah, eventually I, I would like, uh, some of you guys back, man. What? Yeah. Talk to the guys. I would oh, eventually yeah. like to, uh, do the live from the crow field with the Hoosier hit squad. I think that'd be a lot of fun for a podcast episode.
4: Oh, yeah, man. We'll uh we'll definitely get something together or at least get all four of us together to get on the podcast with you if that's something you want to do. Yeah, like, we could do that too. That'd be a pretty good time.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, yeah, so then here in a second, uh, you and I are going to do a live stream promo video, which should be fun because uh, Greg and Reese haven't done that. So you get to one-up them a little bit. Yeah, I mean – it happens. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Logan, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and talking about your season and the Hoosier Hit Squad. And for anyone listening, check out the Hoosier Hit Squad page and group on Facebook. Do you want and any- Instagram and Instagram? <laughs> How are you guys doing on Instagram?
4: Um, slowly getting followers. So yeah. every single one helps. Pass yeah. it on.
0: <laughs> awesome. Awesome. All right, Logan, thank you so much.
4: Yep, not a problem. Have a good one.
0: You too. So that was Logan Revolt, and we were talking about the Hoosier Hit Squad, so I'm going to do one or two more little segments, and then number 50 should be in the can, so we'll see who's next. Well, everybody, so... Man, there were so many people wanting to come come on board on this episode. I've decided we are going to have to break it into parts. Episode 50 part 1 and 2. And I will be getting more people on board doing these little segments um for yeah, for this coming week. So yeah, it's been fun um and yeah, having three new people on the podcast today. Um it was interesting and We will see how it goes. It was a lot of fun. Um, Yeah, so if you get a chance, check out the group, uh, the Hoosier Outdoorsman group. We just passed the thousand members mark. That is so cool. Um, And yeah, so this coming week I'll be releasing a new episode, but make sure to tune in to the Hoosier Outdoorsman podcast.